Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up the Same. I'm your host, Trayvon Edwards, joined by my co-host, Jason Madison. We have a special guest today, Amy Trask. How are you doing? I am doing well, and I am thrilled to join you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you, Amy. Amy Trask is an American sports executive, author, and lawyer from California. She is the former CEO of the Oakland Raiders. Trask has also been referred to as the Princess of Darkness by Raider fans. She currently works as an analyst for CBS Sports. Amy, this is the one of the two. Are you ready? I'm ready. L.A. or the Bay? Oh, you got, boy, right off the bat, you're putting me on the spot. I grew up in L.A. I love the Bay, but I'm going L.A. All right. Han Solo or Luke Skywalker? Oh, Darth Vader. Um, I guess I'll go Han Solo. 
Marcus Allen or Tim Brown? Oh, you can't make me answer that. I plead the fifth. <laughs> okay, I got one, a couple more of those. Gene Upshaw or Jack Tatum? I love them both. I really and truly love both men. They were phenomenal teammates to me throughout my career. Both of them supported and encouraged me. But I will go Gene Upshaw for a very, very special reason at the outset of my career. But I love Jack, too. John Madden or John Gruden? Okay, are you guys trying to get me in trouble? How about John McGruden or John <laughs> Grudadden? All right. Chiefs or Broncos? Are you asking which I dislike more or which I like more? Because if I if it's dislike more, samesies. Yeah. Okay, we'll take that. Um, you prefer a sack celebration or touchdown celebration? Um, sack. Ice Cube or MC Hammer? Oh, I love both men. I love both men. And I'm going to go with Cube because I have the honor and privilege right now of serving as the chairman of board of his big three basketball league. But I love Hammer too. Eternal Flame or the Black Hole? Oh, Black Hole. Because that's all about the fans. Uh, Rocky or the Longest Yard? Ooh, I'll go Rocky. Hamlet or Macbeth? Neither. And by the way, I was the kid in high school that said, I'm not reading this Shakespeare stuff. So, yeah, no. Uh, Fleetwood Mac or Black Sabbath? None of the above. I'm, I I'm, I'm, that's, not my, that's not my genre. iPhone or Android? Blackberry, baby. Okay, iPhone. <laughs> Blackjack or poker? Blackjack. Tailgate or a Super Bowl party at the house? Depends on who's in the game. I think I'd go tailgate. Okay, at the tailgate, ribs and wings or dogs and burgers? I'm a vegetarian. And by the way, you can barbecue great vegetarian things, but I have to opt out of this question because I'm a vegetarian. The Ring of Honor or the Hall of Fame? Hall of Fame. Time or money? Time. Trust or respect? Depends on with whom. Mm. Um, probably trust as a general rule. Winning or happiness? Can't they go hand in hand? See, you're, see the, the problem you're having is you're asking a lawyer these questions. So I'm, I'm going <laughs> right. to kind of, you know, push you're through on them. I'm saying they're not mutually exclusive. You're giving me the legalese. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to plead right. the fifth again soon. Right. Um, Let's see. Remember the Titans or any given Sunday? Hmm. Remember the Titans. And do you prefer working with Al or Mark? Uh, I really didn't work with Mark for long. I worked for Al for almost 30 years. So, um, you know, I will say Al, but that's certainly not intended as insulting to, uh, as a criticism or insult to Mark. But I worked for Al for almost 30 years and I will forever cherish those memories and the opportunity he provided me. Wonderful. Well, that was the one of the two. Well, uh, boy, some of those were pretty darn hard. And frankly, I should have pleaded the fifth on more of them. <laughs> I appreciate and, you answering the ones that you did. Well, we'll thank have, you. We'll have to add that option in there. And I'm also a vegetarian. Uh, luckily, I've never had to do Jason's one of the two. So uh, sorry to put and, you in the hot seat like that. 
Well, that's okay. And you know, they're really, I used to love walking through, um, well, I loved everything about it, but one of the fun things about walking through the parking lots uh, before our home games, and I just loved spending time with the fans and visiting with the fans. And when they all sort of got wind that I was a vegetarian, I would hear them yell out, Amy, Amy, we've got asparagus for you, or we've got broccoli for you. It was terrific. They would barbecue me vegetables. Oh, yes. That sounds good. That's my type of tailgate right there. <laughs> well, see, you and I can tailgate together. Yeah, there we go. There we go. All right, we're going to get into the fun stuff. Uh, I always say Jason's, Jason's uh, segment is very fun, but I always like to go back down memory lane, uh, and we shared uh, hobbies with each other. So uh, I'm curious to know, what was your connection with animals? Boy, um, what a terrific question to start with. I have always had um, an affinity, a love for animals. My parents were very, very accommodating. I mean, I had sort of every kind of animal in the house that you can imagine. I was just reminiscing uh, recently with with family about, um, you know, when my my mice would get loose and my mother would calmly let me know the mice were all over the house and I'd better get them before the cats did. Or when I had tadpoles in a bowl and they turned into frogs and unbeknownst to me, they had gotten into the frog state and were jumping all over the house and there were goats and dogs and cats and horses. Um, I, I think the um, thing that animals helped me with is a connection and understanding I didn't always feel that I fit in. Um, I had insecurities, as we all do, but never with animals. That's, you know, I didn't have too much of an experience with animals like that. Um, I got a chance to ride a horse. And um, as a school teacher, um, during the six, six years that I was a school teacher, I was able to have a rabbit, um, a snake, and a uh bearded dragon so that was wow a fun experience during that time and and, you know my mom is a scientist and so she um had snakes we had Susie and sally the snake in the house i mean really it sounds like i grew up in a zoo and one could argue there were some similarities or one could make the case there were similarities but animals are animals love us unconditionally you know dogs cats horses they love us unconditionally and they just want our love yeah, I, I do believe that. I do believe that. Uh, moving on to the next topic, what's your connection with the cello? I took up the cello. I took up, I shouldn't say took up. I started playing the cello in elementary school. Kids were asked sort of what instrument do you want to play? And I didn't answer on time as, as was generally the case. I didn't get homework in on time. I didn't do things in on time. This was, I think, second grade. Um, so I said, okay, the flute. And they said, sorry, they're all taken. And I said, okay, then the violin. And they said, sorry, they're all taken. You were supposed to get your answer in, you know, days and days ago. So I said, all right, what's left? And they said, the cello. And so that's how I ended up with the cello. But I played the cello for about 10 years before before giving it up. Okay. Could you pick up a cello now and still play? Poorly. I mean, I probably would come back to me, but I would need a lot of work. I think at this point um, I could pick it up and and sort of hack around, but um, I would not, I would need a lot of work to get back to where I was. Yeah. I've never was skilled enough to play an instrument. Maybe I'll pick it up once my busy life slows down, but I always wanted to play like the drums or like uh, a guitar. Like those were always cool to me, like, but 
I also enjoy listening to music versus playing. So, you know, I tried to play the piano. I had piano lessons for a while, but I could not make my left and right hands do two different things. Mm -hmm. And of course you have to do that when you're playing the piano. And it became such an overwhelming source of frustration that, right. that I just stopped because I couldn't get my two hands to do things differently on the piano, which is kind of crazy because we do things differently with our hands all the time. Um, you know, I drive a stick shift, so my left hand is on the wheel and my right hand is on the stick shift. And I don't have an issue with that. But I found trying to play the piano overwhelmingly frustrating for that reason. Yeah, and I had the same exact issue. I was a music producer. And when I started producing and doing different things, I used my computer a lot. And then my dad, like, forced upon me, like, you need to learn how to play instruments. I'm going to get you piano lessons. And so I went to lessons for like six months, almost a year. And I had the same issue. I couldn't get one hand to play, you know, the melody or whatever. However, you know, you're supposed to play it on the piano. And I don't know if it's the specific finger movements, but I just could never figure it out. And it frustrated me to no end. And I just eventually just gave up. I am so glad you shared that with me because you are the only other person I know of who had that experience. Now, there must be others as well, but no one else I know has ever had that experience. And when I share that with them, they look at me like I'm sort of nuts, which by the way, I may be, but um, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. Um, it was very, very frustrating. Yeah, well, I don't know if I wanna get frustrated, so I'm gonna stay away and just continue to listen. Thank you guys for sharing your personal stories on that. <laughs> uh, and your last hobby, was uh playing outside and just getting dirty like you know I, it happens as a kid and i don't think a lot of children nowadays play outside you know um when we were being problem kids and i was a problem kid you know that's what our moms would do they would just oh they would say go outside and don't come back until it's dark and and that's what we did that we just sort of went outside we we were in the dirt we were dirty and by the way of course you know I, I grew up in a day and age where you biked on major streets. You didn't wear helmets. Um, I remember my mom dropping us on the side of a major, major road down here in Los Angeles where we would climb up to the top of a hill, a sandy, sandy hill with refrigerator cartons, and we would slide down into the middle of the road. Like kids don't do that anymore, um, which probably is smart, by the way. But that's what we did. We just went outside all day and we, we just sort of, made things up as we went. And I think it's good to play in the dirt. I think it's good to um, be creative and inventive and, and, you know, it's good to get in trouble. And by the way, kids today, I'm not talking about bad trouble. I'm talking about good trouble. Right. Yeah, it seems like all of that stuff is just gone now. There's so much, you know, focus on kids being on their phones and on the computer. And I hate to sound old because I'm not even that old, but you know, like, like you said, like, our parents used to just drop us off or just let us go. And it's like, don't come back in the house until it's dark or, you know, and just you would get, come up, invent your own games and invent all of these little creative things every day with your friends. And it's like, I feel like kids nowadays don't really do that. That's right. And it was, it was, don't come back in until it's dark. And, you know, whether we were building forts out of dirt or, you know, we weren't always doing great things. We were playing ding dong ditch and, and they weren't always honorable, good things to be doing, but it was definitely a different day and age. Yeah. I definitely miss uh, riding my bikes with friends and, 
you know, not knowing that they would be home. So you actually had to go right to their house to, to knock on the door and see if they were there. And you find out that they're at a, a cousin's house or they went for the store and you have to ride back and go to the next neighborhood, or you would just have to ride around and find a, a pile of bikes. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, people. Um, and I should add that having grown up in Los Angeles, playing outdoors uh, often meant just jumping in an RTD bus and going to the beach and just spending the whole day at the beach. And my only hope in terms of skin cancer is that back in the day when I was doing this, maybe there actually was an ozone layer. So we have that protection. That's my hope. I'm clinging to it. Hey, I won't, I won't argue with that. All right. Non-hobby uh, questions. I have three and Jason's have three and then we're going to get you out of here. So, you know, you're very, uh, busy. I'm still, but I, I just want you to know, I am obsessing over those initial questions and I am despising some of my answers. So, so you men know when we get off this, I will obsess for days over those answers. <laughs> That's good I'm, to know. I'm, sure, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's great. Don't worry. All right. Um, who was your favorite player? And which player do you keep in contact with the most? Well, I'll answer the second part first because that's very easy. I keep in contact with a lot of players, which is really um, warms my heart every time. I rooted for these men like crazy, of course, when they were on the field. And I still root for their every success and happiness off the field. I don't want to list them for you because I don't want to leave someone out. That would crush me. But I am in touch with a lot of players with whom I interacted over that 30-year period. And, you know, it's one thing to root for them when they're playing. But the joy I take in rooting for their success and happiness now that they're not is every bit as special. And so many of these men are doing special things. As for my favorite player, I've never, ever, ever, ever said his name, nor will I. But the story is as follows. Early, early, early in my career, I mean, I had just started. And this player personnel guy comes running into my office and asks me, you know, I need you to do this contract. I need you to do this contract. I need you to supersede all of this. And he points to all of these provisions in the contract. And I was questioning him. I'm like, are you sure you want me to supersede that? You don't want any of that? I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. So I wrote the best damn supersede provision I could ever, ever, ever have done. Well, that night, and again, I'm new with the organization. Phone rings. It's about midnight. It's Al. Apparently, in superseding what I did, I turned his contract into a fully guaranteed no trade contract. And this was a guy we were signing to be sort of the last 53rd man on the roster. So the reason he is my favorite player is on his way to the airport to fly out the next morning, like 5, 6 a.m., he met me at the office. We ripped that contract up and he signed another contract which then reverted it to non-guaranteed and we would be able to trade him. And I think that player saved my career. Well, wow. shout outs to him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will forever love him for that. And I will never reveal his identity. What, what, what was the result of, of his play that season? I guess I should, have, did he, did he remain on the team that season? He did. He did. And I was his biggest champion. Oh, yeah. There you go. What's the craziest tattoo you've seen a fan get? Oh, it's, it's, you know, a, tattoos where it's like the whole entire arm or the whole entire both arms or um, 
I guess I would say the craziest isn't so much the tattoo itself, but the amount of body that it covers. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I would be interested to see someone get their like entire face as a helmet or something like that. Would probably. Right. Be <laughs> um, I, I remember the, you know, as a kid seeing the Raider fans, you know, um, just the Raider nation in general, just be really intense and, you know, like probably one of the, the most passionate fans in the league. Um, they were, they were a bit scary back then. I was a kid, <laughs> but yeah, it was always cool watching that. Um, my last question from you for, for you is, uh, how did you get involved with the big three? Uh, I have um, had the great fortune of knowing Cube and Jeff Quantinitz, who founded the league um, for many, many, many years. They both they founded the league together. And I will tell you, um, my admiration for Cube goes back decades. I was an NWA fan from the minute NWA burst on the scene in Los Angeles. And I've, as I said, had the great pleasure of knowing Cube and Jeff Quantinitz for years. And when they formed the league, they approached me about being involved. And while being involved, um, again, with a sports league wasn't attractive because I had just finished, you know, 30 years with that. Working with those two men was something to which I could not say no. I'm a huge Ice Cube fan. I'm, I'm uh, definitely appreciating the fact that he got that league started and people are watching it. And, you know, like, it's hard to, as we've seen with the XFL and everything else, it's hard to get a new league off the ground. So it is. Know. And. And, you know, I should state what I stated better. I said it would, you know, being the fan I am. And, and look, um, it's not that it was hard to say no. It's that I couldn't wait to say, um, wow, this is exciting. And I said, yes. So let me state it in the affirmative, not the negative. And I will tell you this, as big a fan as I have always been of his with respect to his musical genius, I'm every bit as much of a fan of his business prowess and his business acumen. Um, he's really tremendous. No, he definitely is. And I, I hope to, uh, you know, use a lot of the things that he's done and follow in his footsteps um, because he definitely laid the groundwork for young men like myself coming up in L.A. to, uh, you know, make it out here. That's really neat. Um, so speaking of L.A., why do you think that the Raiders didn't get a lot of support to move back to L.A.? Well, the easy answer to that is it's sort of the way the league works. Um, it, it's, you know, certainly, and, and the reason I say that is certainly there are Raider fans in Los Angeles. We all know that. Um, but that's not what the league was looking to. The league made a decision to go forward with uh, the Rams in Inglewood and then gave the option to the Chargers to opt in. And only if the Chargers didn't opt in, could the Raiders opt in. And look, you know, there's there's something to league dynamics and relationships. And I always said about um, league meetings, it kind of reminded me a little bit of junior high where, you know, are you the kid that has someone to eat with at lunch? Or don't you have someone to eat with at lunch? And that's just a, an easy way to say that just like any business, there are relationships involved. And I think a lot of that came into play. I read that you became a Raiders fan in college. Is that when you started to become an NFL fan? Or is, is it something that you followed your whole life? No, I start. I became a fan of football in junior high. I fell in love with the game when I was in junior high. 
um, it's first time I really started watching it and I realized immediately it's a very cerebral game. It's a game of matchups. You know, do my corners match up man with your receivers or do we have to play zone? How are my linebackers going to do against your backs? Um, what is the battle going to be like at the line of scrimmage? Can we um, pass protect without asking men? Can our pass rush get to your quarterback? It's really a very cerebral game of matchups. And I fell in love with the game in junior high. Interestingly, did not come from a family of big football fans. You know, my family watched the Super Bowl every year or had a Super Bowl party, but not big fans. Well, then I went to Berkeley for undergrad. And the Raiders were really just down the road in Oakland. And I loved everything about the team. I love that this was an organization owned by someone, Al Davis, who gave people second chances and third chances and sometimes fourth and fifth chances. People who weren't given second or third or more chances by others. People that had been labeled behavior problems by others. And look, having been labeled a behavior problem in kindergarten and having had that label stay with me for decades and decades and decades, and some would argue it's still appropriate, that resonated with me. This was an organization owned by someone who um, gave chances, and we saw that in terms of his diversity and, and inclusiveness, and I just fell in love with everything about the organization. You know, it's kind of epitomized where you would see teams in those days getting off um, the buses, going into stadiums, and they'd be in suits and ties and, and looking all ready for business, and then you'd see the Raiders tumbling in in sweats or hoodies or whatever, and I thought, that's me. Wait, I'm, this is the perfect team for me. Yeah, no, they always had a different swag about them. Um, I'm not a Raider fan, unfortunately. I've been a Niners fan my whole life. so That's okay, know. too, of course. <laughs> you don't need me to tell you that. <laughs> right. But, but by I the always... way, um, by the way, being speaking to your Niner fandom, this may resonate with you. Some of the most special moments um, throughout my career, and it was a career of special moments, were sitting with Al and other football men, listening to them talking about X's and O's and having the opportunity to participate and ask questions. And some of those most magnificent discussions were with Al and Bill Walsh. That's amazing. That's amazing. I just got, I just got a little chill hearing that. <laughs> That's super yeah. cool. Bill is a very, very special man. That's dope. Uh, my last question is, uh, how do you feel about uh, the referee and the two female coaches that were all active in the NFL games um, last weekend, you know, basically making history with that. Is this something that you saw happening when you first entered the league? Well, uh, to answer the, the, the first part first, I think it's terrific. Um, no, it's not something that I envisioned um, early, early, early in my career. And, you know, I'm sure that a lot of people listening to this podcast um, weren't born when I started my career. And it horrifies me to say that. Or if they were born, they were very, very, very little kids. I started my career with the Raiders in the early part of the mid-80s. And when I attended my first league meeting of team owners, I was the only woman in that room. So this wasn't something that was on the horizon back then. And it's terrific to see. And, you know, I will share with you that from the moment I started my career until it, with the Raiders until I left the league, the um, players never, ever, ever were concerned by or interested in or referenced my gender, nor did they treat me in a manner that I thought um, was any different 
than the manner they would have treated me were I a man. And the reason I share that is because you referenced these two assistant coaches and Sarah Thomas, the official. My belief is that players will look at them and if they are doing their job and they are doing their job well, their gender will be irrelevant to them. Wonderful. Yeah, I hope the same thing. You know, I don't think that gender should have any bearing o- over whether somebody can do a job. I mean, well, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, race, gender, ethnicity, or any other individuality which has no bearing whatsoever on whether one should do a job should have no bearing whatsoever on whether one gets an opportunity to do that job. And, you know, you asked about Al earlier in that kind of horrible, horrible, horrible either or or one, two segment. Um, not that the question was bad and I'm really just teasing you about it being a horrible segment. It's just that it traumatized me. I hope, I hope you were aware that I'm traumatized by that. I am. Um, I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) I'm teasing. Um, maybe, uh, but you, you know, you talked about Al during that segment and you know, there will be people who are listening to this podcast that are Raider fans who appreciated Al and loved Al. And there will be people listening who can't stand the Raiders and couldn't stand Al. But if we are all being intellectually honest, we will recognize that this is a man who well before others were even discussing this was hiring without regard to race, gender, ethnicity, or other individualities, which, as I said, have no bearing on whether one can do a job. Yeah, that's true. Well, we're closing in at the end of our uh, segment and we ask the same question to all our guests. Uh, what advice would you give 18 year old Amy? I would tell myself to recognize that just as I have insecurities, so do others. So in other words, given that I had insecurities, I would advise myself to remember you are not the only one who has insecurities. Other people do as well. A sound advice for you. Well, Amy, thank you for taking out this small block of time during your busy day. Really enjoyed this conversation and hopefully down the line we'll, we'll be able to do a part two or something. I hope so. Trayvon, I am such a big fan of your work. Um, it is my pleasure. Um, I'm delighted or to use my mom's expression, tickled pink to join you. Thank you so much for having me. Sending my love to the CBS family as well. Yeah, thank you, Amy. We appreciate it. And just win, baby. <laughs>